in the mirror. You look like the elephant man. That's all I'm saying. This is expensive clothes. It's okay. What can you not believe? Go ahead and tell me what can you possibly not believe? What could possibly come out of your mouth that's even remotely interesting or of merit or of value? I mean, I've had enough. Welcome to the Seat Struck Movie Podcast. It is Sunday, 9th of October, and I'm joined today by uh, myself as well as John. Hey, hey, hey. And uh, Quinn. Hey, guys. The usual three amigos. And we're looking at one of my favorite horror movies tonight, uh, continuing Spooky Sundays. We're looking at 2011, or I guess 2013, depending on when you saw it, a movie you're next to. So, pretty newer horror movie. Uh, last week we looked at Ghostwatch, and this week it's your next, and we'll have a few more coming up before Halloween and then extend spilling out into uh, November. Uh, so this is one of my favorite movies too. Adam Vingard at the helm too, so he had done Blair Witch, Pro- uh, the Blair Witch remake, and The Guest too, which is also kind of a bit of a buried treasure too. And starring uh, Sharni Vinson, she's Australian, and stream- Scream Queen Barbara Crampton uh, from Re- the original Reanimator, and also we have horror director Ty West uh, playing a minor role as one of the uh, new boyfriends too. So it's about a family who are celebrating a family reunion in the wilderness when they're attacked by mass killers. Uh, the film takes a kind of generic home invasion plot and flips it on its head. Um, and I, I won't spoil too much because I know Quinn hasn't seen it yet, but most of the family members and guests are not who they seem. But before we dive into that, uh, we usually start off with uh, what we watched this week too. So what did you watch this week, Quinn? Yeah, um, so I watched uh, two things. I started watching uh, American Horror Story, the popular series. Um, <clears throat> I found out that it was on Disney+. Plus, So my wife and I decided to check that out. And uh, wow, pleasantly surprised. It's actually really good. Are you on the first um, the first season or is it the... Yeah, I'm on the first. I'm only, yeah, I'm, I'm only a few episodes in, but um, I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, I've been looking for sort of a series like this well-directed really unexpected turns and scares and everything so really looking forward to uh binging the ever-loving hell out of that um series for sure the second thing i watched was the sequel the brand new sequel to hocus pocus um you know starring the great bet midler and sarah jessica parker so on and so forth um i you know what i I did have fun with the movie, you know, I, I, I thought it was a decent effort considering it's been so long since the first one. I did, it's not a good movie by by any means, but no, it, I did like there was a, in the movie, there's a little, uh, there's a little store. I, I thought the set was really good there. There was a couple of likable characters, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it don't, it doesn't compare to the first one. I, I'm actually, I know sometimes Hocus Pocus gets, uh, gets shit on a little bit, but uh I don't know. I, I I'm actually a pretty big fan of the first one. Um, I think it's fun and and, and has its place. Um, but yeah, I wasn't wasn't crazy about the sequel personally. But yeah, because so, then they all like well, spoiler a little bit. But at the beginning of the first movie, didn't they all like get caught in the sun? They all blew up or something. So how do they come back for the second one? Well, it they're sort of like revived again. Uh, with the okay. Candle, right. So, <laughs> the magic of movies, baby. Yeah. They're back. This <laughs> is a little Disney magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, they uh but I, I have to say that aspect of it um was was pretty good, like ha- how they were uh sort of revived and the town of Salem sort of like you know, before they come back, they they're they're legends, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. they're talked about and they're like, Oh well, maybe they'll come back someday, kind of thing. Like like the town seemed to be very in the know of what had happened you know, 30 years prior or whatever it was, uh, that aspect of it was the storyline of it was, was pretty good. I just, I don't know. I, I just, I just found it to be like too, uh, too modern. And they, they tried to cater to too many audiences, I think. And mm. they, they, they were punching above their weight in my opinion, but, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, what about you, John? what did you watch this week? Uh, yeah, I didn't watch a whole lot. I've been uh, just busy. I'm getting married in a couple of weeks. So, uh, my movie availability time has, uh, 
has dwindled. I have watched some stuff that for the stuff, the episodes that are going to be coming up. So I did watch, uh, I did watch Halloween four yesterday, but going to wait till our episode to talk about that, share my thoughts, but I uh, did watch a few things. Uh, the first one I watched, uh, you know, the classic, uh, 90s uh disaster film twister um it's kind of funny watching this and a lot of other kind of 90s disaster films or like big big scale films like this because you know i remember watching these as a kid and it felt very serious like watching twister as a child that opening scene where the kids try to hide and the you know i guess that's a bit of a spoiler but the dad is you know he gets sucked out by the twister uh you know i found that really terrifying as a child and then re-watching this film it is totally camp this film is just totally goofy the tone, the story is very odd. It's it's actually the screenplay was by Michael Crichton, directed by uh, Jan Debont, and it's got a pretty loaded cast too. You know, we got like great Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, and uh, you know Philip Seymour Hoffman's really funny, and this is kind of the stoner layabout guy. And it's just there's not really much of a a story. It's almost like a hangout film when you really think about it. It's a bunch of like storm chasers. Um, one of the guys is coming back with his, I guess his new partner's new wife, he has to get divorced and it kind of reignites old flames. It's a bit of like a love triangle thing. And the story is really just, they're just chasing a tornado and they're trying to find out how tornadoes work. Like I know how tornadoes work. It's a big spiral. Like, I don't know what the hell they're even trying to do. They're like, we got to get these metal things in the tornado and the science is a little bit dubious, but it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, uh, Carrie Elves uh, also plays kind of like the rival storm chasers and, it's just really campy, really silly. Um, I, I really enjoyed coming back to it. And, uh, you know, it's also got some Van Halen music in it, too. So <laughs> uh, this was a huge, massive movie. I remember when it came out, like this uh, kind of came out when I was really young. I remember kind of before I was really kind of understanding kind of movies as like a release cycle. And I remember this was like a huge hit. It was also the first movie on DVD, too, which is kind of cool. But um, st- I would say still kind of holds up. I mean, it's silly. It's it's pretty fun. I was laughing along the whole way. Uh, well, when I, and, I remember when I was a little yeah. kid, when I saw that opening scene, too, I mean, when, yeah. when that happens with the father. And I mean, that was quite traumatizing. I think, you know, that's pretty scary stuff, you know. When he's yeah. in the cellar and they're trying, he's trying to keep the doors closed. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I can't hold it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I, I remember, like John, I remember when uh, Twister came out and, you know, Blockbuster had those like three walls of fucking Twister. Yeah, the, the big poster with the big, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I remember it clear, clear, but I, I just never saw it. I, I never saw I, I watched Twister for the first time like maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago. And, uh, like, like you, man, I was fucking dying. I'm like, you seem so traumatized. You're like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Oh, look, <laughs> there's more of a shit show across the street. Let's cross it. Like, <laughs> yeah. constantly, like, like, I know they're storm chasers, but like, they're like, we just almost died. Let's almost die again. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> Go to the next one. And you're like, it, it's hilarious. But I will say, I absolutely loved the drive in shining movie. Scene. Oh, yeah, that's pretty. That fun. was sick. I yeah. love oh, man. the tornado that, that sneaks up on them. They're like, oh, oh, the tornado's here. Run. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. This. I, also, I was, the tornadoes I was dying, are wild. Man, that's so funny. The that tornadoes movie. are like roaring. They're like, and like, okay, yeah. real life tornadoes don't actually suck you up. They actually just, so the science is crazy in this movie, but like, yeah. it is so fun. And it actually looks pretty good. I got to say, I've, I've watched a few oh, knockoff yeah. tornado films because I'm a big tornado film guy. And a lot of the newer ones look kind of crappy. This one actually looks fairly decent. I mean, it kind For of sure. plays things a little bit safe. It's not doing. There is that part where we get the the, the two water spouts are like dancing and the, the trucks in between. And, and I'm like, what am I watching? This is wild. And then like, <laughs> you're supposed to be like, ah, oh, his new wife, you know, she can't handle it. You know, she's not like a go girl, like, you know, like Joe. And I'm like, I don't know. She's just a random lady who got sucked yeah. into this fucking like, like storm chasing. Don't, don't let don't let Jonas get too close to the tornado. Like fucking idiot. Like, what's he thinking? You know? <laughs> Jonas, go, gotta move. Yeah, well, I, let, I, let I, him go. Let's just let him go. Let him go. And and fun soundtrack. You know, I got that Van Halen song. Like, shine on, shine on. I remember the soundtrack that was pretty popular when this movie came out. So I had I had a fun time with it. it it's not the greatest movie, but. It's just much less serious than I remember as a kid. It's just coming back to it. I'm like, this is, and it's also the score too. I don't know what it is, but a lot of these like 90s um, adventure kind of action films, they almost, I don't know if they were just kind of inspired by John Williams and Horner. They're all these like, the, the, it's just like it, the score is so varied. It's like intense music and then like, like light fair. And it's just like a bunch of different kind of motifs. And, you know, now everything is like Zimmer, like, bram, bram, and it's like very, 
it's very you know placid and i, I kind of wish they would bring back more whimsical scores because it makes the movie totally just a whiplash but yeah i i enjoyed coming back to twister um i also for the first time watched uh creep show too i've heard many good things about this of course i love the original creep show probably one we'll do a uh, an episode on i mean maybe we'll do a romero watch series or something so that would be a, maybe a good nice. opportunity for that but creep show 2 uh directed by michael cornick who's actually a bit of a collaborator with um with um romero on some of his films um it's a it's a little bit more scaled down it's it's creep show so it's doing the same thing as the last one a little bit we have this kind of um host character who's introduces the film he's like wearing makeup and costume and then it kind of goes into the the animation sort of thing it kind of you know it's just like with creep show it's kind of a prologue and an ending kind of story that ties everything together in this one it's this young boy who finds this comic book and um he goes to buy this venus flytrap plan and gets chased by bullies we find out kind of the fate of that character uh later but there are three short films in this that are really good. Chief Old Woodenhead, uh, which stars uh, George Kennedy as like a little shop owner. And also, I didn't realize it, but Holt McCallany, I think I'm getting his name right, the guy who played um, Agent Bill Tension, Mindhunter, plays the kind of antagonist with the, you know, the, the pretty boy with the big, long black hair. And <laughs> I, I really actually enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty funny. It's campy, but it was really charming. I love the characters in it. Um, you know, some of the characters were a little bit weird. You know, we got fat, you had a character called, you know, lovingly called Fatso, who just constantly eats, which was, uh, hasn't aged very well, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And it, it, it's really kind of well designed, um, just the set of it. And it kind of treats its subject matter actually a little bit seriously. You know, the idea of like, um, you know, desecrating like these like Cherokee um, traditions. And, you know, I, it was kind of cool that it actually kind of, you know, I was, you know, when I saw it, I was like, no, this might, this might veer into some very strange and problematic territory, but it was, I was actually pleasantly surprised by it. But um, there's also a final story about a hitchhiker starring uh, Lois uh, Childs, who, you know, you'd know from Moonraker, who plays Holly Goodhead. She plays this hitchhiker who's getting kind of, you know, chased by, you know, this ghost who's like a hitchhiker she hit, kind of something out of I Know What She Did Last Summer. Uh, pretty fun. But the best one, I would say by far, is the second story, The Raft, which yeah, is you know, genuinely too. quite terrifying and a little bit of uh, body body horror as well, too. Uh, you know, minus like uh, a moment of sexual assault that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, but don't worry, you know, the kind of the thing with all these movies is that it's sort of, it's sort of like the bully or whomever gets their comeuppance. And that's sort of the kind of moral story in these films. But I actually really like Creepshow too. I would say it's definitely scaled down. There's less just short stories in this one. There's I think the first one had five. This one is three. Um, but that even though they're scaled down, it's only three. They're still really, really enjoyable and fun to watch. Um, I, I haven't I've heard Creepshow three, which came out, you know, I think a decade ago. I've heard uh, mixed reviews on that one, but um, I would say check out Creepshow 2 if you haven't seen it because it doesn't, it's not quite the same heights as the first one, but it's yeah, a very got, satisfying experience. They've got the TV show series too, which I've heard mixed yeah. things about, but I mean, maybe something for the Romero fans. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sucker for like horror anthologies because they're just so fun to watch. I think maybe it's my like, maybe yeah, possibly when they're done ADHD right they're really good it's yeah just, it's just it's like constant new short short it keeps things tight it's it's fun to watch and usually they kind of do a myriad of styles especially i'd say the vhs series which you know various directors on each one they tend to be uh kind of swings in quality too but um, i had a good time with it and then uh, you know it's of course halloween season so we rewatched uh hocus pocus which uh you know was kind of a standard on like the family channel or i guess the disney channel in the united states for a lot of us so you know now the hocus pocus has kind of become a you know a little bit of a halloween classic i would say for you know our you know so-called so-called millennial generation you know rewatching it i think it's still pretty fun i, I don't think it's the greatest movie ever but I think it, you know, it really hinges on the sort of the strength of its main cast. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you can know, see ben why it's Miller. like a cult, a cult hit, you know. Yeah, like, and it's it's just a lot. It's a lot of fun, but man, it's main like the main trio of of sisters that kind of make the film. I would say they kind of really give the best performance they make it really fun and engaging you know they're, they're the main bad guys they're big baddies but they're just so fun to watch um uh, bet midler uh kathy uh najimi and also um sarah just parker as well too they're really funny um the story honestly is kind of like edgy for like a kid's movie you know it kind of follows the story of this these witches that were hanged they tried to they they killed this young girl and the, the young boy tried to save her was like turned into a cat and it skips to modern day it's the 90s it's very 90s but um it kind of follows this plotline of these rich witches who've been kind of resurrected and the storylines actually it's funny like the, the script is actually pretty sharp i could see why it's held up really well because 
it's for kids obviously but it's actually kind of a little bit it's a little bit adult at times a little bit pushes the bun i would say by today's standards you know the whole well, part of the whole story is about you know a virgining virgin summoning witches and you know kind of has to do a little bit with that it's 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 a lot of fun coming back to it it's i mean it's kind of wild to think now that it's um what 30 years old but um i still have a, a good time with it and it's it doesn't take itself you know too seriously uh fun characters i especially love uh Max's like little sister. Um, oh, sorry, not um, uh, is it is it Max? I can't remember. Oh yeah, Max's sister. Um, the names are escaping me. God, I watched this. I fell asleep <laughs> near the end, so I I could I could barely remember it's the all, names. It's all a dream. <laughs> yeah, but the little sister character actually is super funny. Like she's just roasting her brother all the time, and, and <laughs> it's a lot of fun watching. Um, but that was about it for me, I guess. Uh, Curtis, did you watch uh, anything? A note? Uh, this yeah, I, I watched a few things. So I was in full Halloween mode and yeah. <laughs> went full out. So I kind of ambitiously tried to watch everything this weekend, but mm. you can never watch anything. Um, so the first thing I watched, I watched it with my girlfriend. Uh, we were watching a lot of House of Dragon, and I love House of the Dragon, but it's pretty heavy. So we wanted something light. And I watched this French film. I think it has a different name in French, different name in English, different name in German, but it's called Untouchable. And uh, it was very famous. came out a couple of years ago. It's about these... Uh, this um this really rich quadriplegic guy he's a french guy he's this huge manson and everything and he hires this caretaker who's a black guy from lower class and it's about kind of their relationship too because they both both learn a lot from each other too and i thought it was a really great film really funny really uh really really fun to watch and a really good feel-good film it was the last i can't remember the last time i watched a really feel-good film so this one has a nice ending too so if you're in the mood for something light after all these uh horror movies you know it's a it's a fun one to check out interesting and uh the second one i checked out i finished watching uh, one of my favorite shows is reservation dogs uh second season um i think it's on fx or hulu or something like that it's on <laughs> disney plus in Canada, disney plus yeah well i think they only had the first season for some reason but i'm hoping they have the second season soon but anyway they have a lot of canadian talent in there too which is really good and the second episode the second season uh, I didn't know if it could top the first season because I love the first season. It's about a bunch of kids living on a res in um, Oklahoma. They're all indigenous. So it's all indigenous cast, written indigenous um, performers are all indigenous. And uh, yeah, just kind of the shenanigans that they get up to too. And the second season, um, it started off a little bit slower, but then by the end of the season, I was like almost like crying because it was so emotional too. And they were coming to terms with the death of one of their friends. And it's really fucking funny. Like <laughs> the first episode of the first season, you know, they steal a chip, a, chip, a truck full of chips. <laughs> they got like Iggy Pop, you know, and the Stooges playing. And oh, I was like, oh, I, I really like this show already. They have a lot of famous Canadian actors too, Wes Studi and uh, Gary Farmer. And um, yeah, a lot of kind of cameos too. So yeah, it's really fun. So if you want something, um, it's a good balance of like kind of heavy content with like humor. And I think it's really funny. And, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're indigenous too, you probably get more of the jokes than I do, I guess, but it's a, it's a fun one. So I watched that too. Uh, I watched this Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, which is a TV movie came out in the eighties. Um, it's on Shudder. I don't know. Everyone was saying how great this TV movie was. I thought it was a little bit boring. <laughs> it's about this like a disabled man, and he gets killed, and then obviously, you know, he comes back as like a vengeful scarecrow and kills off people. But I, I don't know, like, it had like a TV movie budget. Like, the kills were creative, but it was just like, you know, they didn't actually show the kills taking place. And I mean, <laughs> the main like the villain was like a post op postman, and I was like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, <laughs> people really used to hate the post office, you know, back then. God. Yeah, this, yeah. Postal, you know. yeah, you know, like when he said something nasty, you always see him flash his arm and it'd be like US mail or something. <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, what's he gonna do? Um, and and uh, yeah, I don't know, it was okay. Um, but you know, a lot of people like that one, I think. Yeah. I watched a uh, dead stream on Shutter too, that just came out this year. Oh, that yeah. one was really, really good, actually. Oh, good. Um, I want to check that it's, out. It's it's yeah, it's a fun one. It's um it's kind of a critique of uh, you know, the live culture, live stream culture. You know, you get a lot of those obnoxious uh streamers like those what are those fucking guys called? Jake or Logan Paul or whatever. Oh I, yeah, I, I hate that. Yeah, it's like those nauseating awful types too. <laughs> as long as they don't make fun of podcasters, we here at this show, we take podcasting seriously we, we, we take it 100 seriously we don't Absolutely. tolerate any podcasts <laughs> on this show yeah yeah Podcaster rates so yeah it's this guy and he's just a live stream and he, he's afraid of ghosts so he decides to go and haunt it he decides to lock himself in a haunted house and throw away the keys so you know how that's gonna go and oh, actually God, yeah. it's a pretty scary looking haunted house like i was like that, that looks like someone got whacked in the head or something here you know like but it, it was pretty good and like oh. obviously the, the the live stream was really annoying but what's interesting is you see a lot of the comments too, and some of the comments are quite toxic. It's like, oh, you're a fake. Why don't you jump out the window? And all these like 
really toxic incel people online too so it really made me think about that too and then the whole time i'm like oh this guy's fucking annoying you know i don't really care if something bad happens but then it makes this question question our ethics too because like you know how, what, what does it say about us as an audience if we're kind of hungry for blood for this guy too you know so really interesting too and i mean the running time it's an hour and a half so it's you know you don't have to put up with this 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 guy's babbling for too long you know but i i thought it was really really good and that's one on shutter that i would definitely recommend uh because as i said before some of their shutter exclusives are hit or miss and then my friend in shanghai had never seen die hard so we had to watch die hard oh, nice. and i'll probably be talking more about that when as christmas time comes around mm -hmm. but oh man so much fun to watch just a definitive action movie and i think it deserves all the accolades and i think one thing i will say is that uh you know what I like about Die Hard is you have such a great, a huge cast, and it, all, it never feels like too much. You know, you have the the police, and you have the FBI guys, and you have like the uh, <laughs> Argyle chilling in his limo, you know, and you got like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so much fun to watch. And what I, what I <laughs> yeah, what I what I found out recently is that uh, they actually did a uh, uh, there's a battery commercial, and it's kind of like an almost sequel to the first Die Hard. It's not very good, but like. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the original movie is great, I think. And I also watched uh, the last thing I watched was um, oh yeah, I watched I watched the new Hellraiser, which I didn't like. I was really disappointed yeah. with it actually because that's, I loved the. Uh, I was excited. I think I think like the the new Pinhead was really good. Like it was played by a trans woman, and she was really good. Like obviously it's not the same as Doug Bradley; he's iconic. But like I think she did really well with the role. But I don't know, just the CGI and stuff, and like oh, the, the the main characters were so fucking boring. And I was like, oh, do I have to put up with them for like an hour and a half? No. I, and, yes, you know, you like uh, a, a couple of them get killed off. Fucking hell. But like, yeah, it was just like not very good. And uh, I mean, I, I felt like rewatching um, the second Hellraiser afterwards. So I, I rewatched uh, oh, cool. Hellbound Hellraiser 2, which I actually liked a lot more a second time. And I think it kind of continues kind of Clive Barker's vision. And I mean, it's a little bit campy, of course, but you kind of get more world building in it too. You know, you get that kind of Lovecraftian vision of hell and you get, you know, cameos from the original without feeling forced. The one thing I think well, the first time I watched it, there's a scene in it. Well, I mean, spoiler where uh, Dr. Chenard, like, I don't know, he's only been a Cenobite for five minutes and suddenly he like kills everyone. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, Leviathan or not, I don't know how that works. But I mean, it's a good movie. If you like the first one, I think it's a pretty worthy sequel. And I'm, I'm happy I watched it again. So that's that's everything I watched this week. Um, John, what did you add to your watch list? Yeah, sure. So for watch list editions, I got my usual selection of three. Uh, the first one is a film called Buzzard from 2014. Um, I've, uh, this film, I've, I, I heard it described as if Kelly Reichardt loved dirtbag metal and horror movies and teamed up with the Jackass guys for a micro-budget gorilla remake of pickpocket which is a wild description so um i've heard i've seen some positive buzz on this so i'm excited to check it out and see what it's all about um another th addition to my list try to get more hong kong action on my list um this yeah. one is actually the original <laughs> i've heard spl2 is great but for the sake of you know you know getting the full experience i want to check out the original spl kill zone from 2005 directed by wilson yip um hong kong action film and i would say again the, the reason I want to check this out is because I've heard SPL2, which I think came out in 2015, 2014, is I've heard it's even better. And I've heard people like really call it like a, one of the best of the decade. So I want to check that one out. And then another a director I don't have a lot of experience with, Sam Peckinpah. I know I've seen a couple of his films. I think I've seen, uh, God, I, I don't, did he do Wild Hogs? I think I saw the original. They did uh, wild, bu wild bunch, wild bunch, yeah. Yeah, wild, 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 wild bunch, straw wild, dogs, wild yeah. bunch, yeah, stra yeah. yeah straw <laughs> dogs. I'm getting, I'm seeing straw dogs and wild bunch mixed up, but I, I've seen a few of his things over the years just offhand, like on TV, but never really given. Oh, I, lo I love the wild bunch. It's one of my through, favorites. So. Uh, but what I got recommended was uh, Junior Bonner by uh, from '72, which has a uh, stars Steve McQueen in the main role. I've heard mm -hmm. it kind of described as kind of doing something similar to what like Nomadland did, but kind of using rodeos as the setting, exploring kind of like um, rodeo, people working in tending rodeos and kind of that culture and how, you know, kind of depiction of Americana, that that type. So I want to check that out and kind of get more into his uh, into his films because he's got some definite bangers. So uh, that's that's it on me. Uh, but I guess, uh, Quinn, did you add anything new to your uh, watch list recently? Uh, yeah, uh, I added a couple things. Uh, one is a Spike Lee movie that I haven't seen. I've seen most of his work, but this one's called Summer of Sam. Oh, that, that's a good one. That's that's Michael Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos. I think wrote the script for that. 
Yes. Oh, did he no, actually? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. I must be loyal to my capo. That's, that's for yeah. the show. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's funny that Curtis says that because the reason why I I I found out about it was Michael actually came to I I think it's N I think it's NYU. I could be wrong, but Spike Lee teaches a film course there. He's a he's a professor. <clears throat> and uh he actually showed up on the day that he sh- that he played Summer of Sam last week. So I was reading uh, Spike Lee's Instagram post because I was like, that's kind of random, but OK. Anyways, uh, it's Spike Lee's take on son- the Son of Sam murders in New York City during the summer of 1977, centering on the residents of an Italian-American Northeast Bronx neighborhood who live in fear and distrust of one another um very very good reviews for the most part mm-hmm. um yeah i think yeah you... I, I i really enjoyed it i mean it's not like his other like spike lee's other films but like yeah. i i was really i thought it was a good script yeah dude uh, and ebert gave it a three and a half out of four so you know i i trust his judgment 75 percent of the time so i'll <laughs> check that out um and then the second one i added is a bad movie apparently called the garbage pale kids movie um i know they're playing it at the uh at tarantino's theater so uh i follow them on instagram just to see what they're playing and i i get influence on that and uh dodger must confront the struggles of life as he is visited by the garbage pail kids and intimidated by some older bullies um (laughs) yeah has a cool little poster kind of a spielberg looking kind of poster um it has a 2.6 out of 10 so i'm really looking forward (laughs) to seeing it um, a few beers first maybe <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah. gonna be one of those um yeah <laughs> and apparently it's awful but uh yeah i'm really looking forward to i think did you guys did you guys ever i think maybe it was a little bit before our time too but like it was an 80s thing where they actually had those like collect trading cards you could oh get. yeah that's that's the garbage pail cards yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. Because I think it was a little bit before our time too, but I mean, some of them were fucking gross. But I mean, They're like yes. and stuff, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Naughty right. Sam or whatever, you know? yeah, awesome. Pustule Paul or something, yeah, gross. Yeah. So I watched. A, I had a few things to my watch list. Uh, number one was the uh, HBO docu series Hostages. Kind of came at an interesting time. It's about the uh, Iranian Revolution too, and how, yeah. how one of the famous events that happened was the uh, the uh, bunch of uh, radical Islam students. They took over the. Uh, uh, U.S. Embassy and it soured relationships with the uh, U.S. ever since. Uh, so that looks at that docu. I think it's three or four episodes. Kind of interesting too because it came out right as the Iranian uh, women's protests are happening right now. So hopefully, you know, makes a difference. Um, and I also, I was really, I really liked the cyberpunk series I watched, the uh, cyberpunk edge runners. So mm-hmm. uh, apparently, it was based on this old uh, anime uh, videology or something. It's called Cyber City Udo uh 808 um so i thought i'd check that out my brother recommended uh this netflix series arcane it's based on i think video game league of legends i believe i think so yeah i don't know if you've seen it yeah but i thought i might check that out because i was so happy with cyberpunk and i actually heard this one had really good reviews too sometimes these uh you know these uh video game series can be really bad too. <laughs> but i think with like castlevania and cyberpunk they did a really good job and i also wanted to watch um since i was so into uh watching a lot of Hellraiser this week. I wanted to watch the uh, Screenbox has a new documentary on, uh, it's called Leviathan, the story of Hellraiser and Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Um, So I thought that'd be cool to check out too. And I mistakenly thought that Clive Barker directed the second film too. He directed the first one, but he was executive producer and writer for the second one too. But you still get a lot of Clive Barker in there too. He's a weird guy, but I, I, he, I mean, he's got a really interesting uh, flavor of horror too. And what I found out really interesting was, um, uh, apparently, a lot of the the, uh, the bondage and stuff that they wear is from a lot of like gay S and M magazines that were lying around uh, from his friends his friends' houses at the time. Oh, actually, kind of yeah, kind of cool. <laughs> so when you look at you won't look at Pinhead the same way again, but like kind of cool. Yes. And uh, I also want to watch. I hated the first movie. I don't know why I want to watch the second movie, but I I wanted to watch Terrifier too because I've been getting oh, a lot of hype. Yeah, yeah. I hated the first. I yeah, I hated the first movie. I don't know if you liked it, but like I thought the second one, I might going blind and just trying to watch I it. enjoyed it I, I watched it one of my friends Amanda she's like a big big horror uh, movie fan and we've we done a bunch of me and me and my uh my fiance and our friends we've done a bunch of like spooky movie nights and we there was one night we watched uh 
I think it was All Hallows Eve. Was that the or no? Was it was that the original one? The All Hallows Eve. Yeah, that was the short film, and then they expanded it. I think. Yeah, and then watched, of course, Terrifier, <laughs> the spinoff with uh, Art the Clown. And I, I mean, it's pretty gory. It's pretty low budget, pretty campy, but uh, it's actually pretty uh, pretty effective. So, um, I mean, if you hate clowns, like God, it's, it's especially <laughs> terrifying. So, I, I knew when I saw it got announced. Uh, I like I said I sent the trailer to her, and we were both like, "Oh crap!" So, I'll, I, I'm I'm pretty I'm moderately hyped. I'm excited to check it out. I'm I'm excited for more of uh, the Art the Clown universe. Verse, I guess. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I'll probably watch it when the stream. I'm going to go in blind. I'm not going to read anything about it, but I thought yeah. maybe, maybe I'll give it this one a chance, you know, <laughs> maybe, but it probably be as just as much clown, just as much gore. So, um, yeah, so we're, we'll move ahead to, so back to uh, your next. That's our pick this week yeah. for episode 60. And uh, yeah, you should be, we ask what, what, why I picked the film too. And I, for me personally, I love the subversiveness of this little slasher home invasion film. It kind of takes a lot of these kind of generic tropes and flips them on their head too. At the beginning, you kind of think, you know, when you, the first scene where the, the killers attacked the couple in that, in that uh, uh, little, I don't know what you call it, cottage, I guess. You think the yeah. killers are these kind of supernatural beasts, but then they turn out to be very human mercs for hire and deliberately more humane than the actual perpetrators too i mean there's that mm -hmm. scene later on he's like oh you killed my brother and he's actually pissed off that like you know someone killed his brother whereas you know yeah it's a little sad you're like oh i could you know it's, that sucks for that yeah guy. like maybe they, maybe they should have killed like fucking crispin or quentin or whatever the fuck his name was you know <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah i'm sorry there's a little crispin spoilers glover. today <laughs> crispin <laughs> glover yeah <laughs> or that really weird uh couple that comes to the family i'm like are they even part of the family like <laughs> there's that yeah. really weird guy with felix and his uh, that z? couple z yeah they're a weird couple and um a big family too uh, but i thought it was really interesting to see the family dynamics upon rewatch too mm -hmm. um you know what i really noticed watching it again was uh how cold the father is i mean there's that scene he's like why didn't you get that fellowship and, and then he's just like oh you know i get it next year and he's like we well, should have gotten that fellowship and i was like you know come on like, yeah it's not easy <laughs> The beginning of the movie is almost like a it's a little bit almost like a like a watching a bomb back film or something like it's yeah. really like quiet it's a lot of like we're, we're seeing this insight into this upper class white family and it, you know clearly like it seems like everything on the surface is quite nice you know they're a loving family they're coming back together but we see a lot of tensions like there's a mm -hmm. lot of like fat shaming and kind of we see one of the brothers is like you know kind of a more athletic more successful yeah the, the bully brother, you know, is, <laughs> yeah and he's kind of bullying his brother who's kind of like we, we assume he's kind of like one of the main characters him and aaron are kind of the main couple coming and and of course a little bit of story is that aaron is was actually used to be a student he was like a i guess a ta and he's a professor now and there's you know it's kind of interesting seeing the dynamic of all the of all the siblings and all that but there's a little bit of tension on the surface and we see the mom who i think when they first arrive or before they arrive they're like oh yeah she was screaming in the car so we think we know there's some really deep mental health issues or something mm. going on below the surface and we, we know that seems fine we know from that opening scene too there's going to be something kind of there's something lurking just below the surface yeah. too something bad's going to happen <laughs> great title card reveal too with the you're next in blood it's a kind of yeah. really better way to show the title of the movie well the yeah, ending really good the ending too, too with the axe swinging and you get <laughs> like, yeah <that's> so cool. <laughs> it's cool too that kind of cold open with the with the neighbors that kind of home invasion because it kind of just comes up and then it's gone and then we don't really know think about it until we see the neighbor erin's uh, going to go get i guess she's going to get sugar or whatever and goes down to the house and we realize it's the neighbor's house so we're like oh shit the neighbors it's the same neighborhood and it's a kind of really interesting fun way of revealing that and you know at that moment you're like oh shit you know shit's gonna go down and uh yeah yeah and i mean uh i mean there's so much in my opinion you know there's so much for me to like here too my favorite one of my well, my favorite or one of my favorite final girls, I would say too. I really liked uh, Sharni Vincent. She was great in the role too. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was rooting for her the whole time. You know, like my my heart was pumping. I was like, oh, I wanted to make it out. I wanted to make it out. You never know with these kind of movies because yeah. I think in the original script they wanted to kill her off at the end. They wanted to please shoot her, but I'm like, that kind of takes away from the whole movie, then doesn't it? So, what did you think of her? Because I know you're a big final girl fans, but what yeah, do you think? well. When it comes to like, whenever I, I see a movie, a horror movie now, especially it's always the indie scene and they're like, this is a subversive horror movie, or this is going to be a meta yeah. horror with comedic elements. I might meta, 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 meta raise <laughs> significantly because yeah. that's usually a sign. It was seemed like, I don't know that the decade prior was all about found footage as a crutch. And now it's like meta as a crutch. And I find a lot of them just don't work. They're, they're, it's it's like just... pretentious or something, you know, it's sleepy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I, I didn't realize this actually came out in 2011. Cause I think you could see the DNA in this film and a lot of kind of the more successful subversive films that would come out in that decade, like happy death day. And even like the final girls, which I liked. Um, but I will say, like, I actually really enjoyed Aaron's character in this film. And I think it works because the film actually plays itself pretty straightforward. It's a pretty mean and rugged, you know, home invasion film. And we see characters get killed off 
pretty brutally in ways yeah, that you wouldn't expect si- the mother. Sibling, siblings killing each other, yeah. <laughs> you think the mother is going to be this vulnerable character throughout the movie who's going to, you know, maybe, you know, be in danger. But God, a character comes up under the bed and just whacks her with an axe and kills her. She's <laughs> like the second character killed or whatever. It's pretty, pretty they show shocking. That when, the, when the father gets killed too, like just like yeah, throat it's, slash. It's, yeah, and it plays the kills is like very brutal and very like it's not like a oh and then you're gone. It's like it, it's very visceral. Like when uh I can't remember his name, but um uh oh Drake Joe Swanberg who plays him when he gets the arrows in the back, like it's very drawn out and he's like mm. he's, he gets those arrows in the back and he's dealing with that the whole movie. But I will say Aaron's character, what I liked was that it plays itself straightforward as a slasher, but it kind of saves a lot of the subversiveness sub, sorry sub, subversiveness with with just her character because it's really about her reactions juxtaposed from the rest of the family and it's it, it plays itself as a little bit of humor too because there's that great moment where she's like we got to go in the basement oh wait no we can't go in the basement they're gonna pour gasoline down the stairs and light on fire and like it's just kind of it's just dropped there as sort of like whatever but i was ca- like, i was laughing so hard because it's just the way that that line is delivered is just so funny <laughs> seeing her like mobilizing and doing stuff as the rest of the family just kind of stands around which you know initially you're like what the hell you're like it's being a little bit of meta versus you know those type of movies where the characters are useless but you know we do find out that you know as the story goes on that that's intentional right like in terms of how we find out the villains kind of progress in this film so it's interesting too because i think we said a couple weeks ago it was like one of those scenes like how well do you know your partner and i think this is really one of those two you know like you know, Crispin doesn't know that she's like a survivalist or grew up with survivalist compound, you know, and yeah. and she's these leadership qualities. You think she's kind of this, you know, meek kind of person who kind of looks up to him and, you know, boy, is he wrong. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no kidding. So, <laughs> and I agree with you. I really don't like a lot of these kind of, you know, like or where they call themselves like meta films or deconstructionists. I find a lot of times they're kind of overblown, like one that really didn't work for me. I didn't really like Cabin in the Woods that much. Um, so films like that, you know, but I think this one does a really good balance of like kind of, you know, the meta meta awareness but you know not being too pretentious so that's kind of nice (laughs) i I liked cabin in the woods but i felt like when that came out everyone was doing their own cabin in the woods and it's like yeah i don't know if this is really like fresh material i feel like we've already kind of exhausted all the critiques well they they don't like just have like they don't like get creative too a lot of times you know with the found footage like i like found footage but they kind of just like you know, Hail married it for all it's worth. The milk did yeah, dry. It's, it's not even, it doesn't even make sense. It's just like, this didn't have to be a found footage film. It could have just been, it's just because you only had an iPhone 8 or whatever. You didn't have, yeah, we didn't have, we didn't have the budget for that. So we'll just, <laughs> which, you know, fair enough. Um, I love the antagonists, as you said, you know, they're kind of like almost monstrous, but then yeah. a little bit of their humanity to them and a little bit of their vulnerability. It kind of, of course, mm. twists it where Aaron is almost like the pursuer. And it, it does make things fresh because, you know, Aaron is very resourceful and she is, you know, she is capable, but she's still vulnerable. You know, she's outnumbered, especially when we find out, I guess we can go into spoilers. The the real villains are actually uh, Felix and Z, the two kids, well, the mm. kid and the partner who actually were the ones who hired these goons because they want to kill the family, the family fortune, yeah. take their money. And, uh, you know, we're told, of course, later that, you know, we weren't going to kill you, Aaron, it was all, but, you know, you're left to kind of be like, that's yeah. bullshit. Like, they definitely would have. But, um, yeah, I, le- I thought Aaron Aaron's character did a good a job at kind of, being the kind of bastion for that subversiveness and you know as a result it doesn't feel too hackneyed um and i i did get a kick of ty west as like the douchebag art house director yeah, yeah nobody gets, nobody likes him coming he's the first one to die <laughs> kind of aged funny because i mean now ty west is cranking out all these like pearl yeah, like, films. he might as well be west yeah. craven now he's not so yeah. much the like art house guy that he is yeah know, he's not he's not then, a poor but... starving artist who's leeching off others you know he's like yeah he might like, as well <laughs> be fucking john carpenter now i don't know he's just like an industry guy now yeah well, even back then i think the back then there. he had uh house of the devil out too, yeah which i still think it would have came out is a great 21st century horror film yeah. <laughs> um yeah so it was the writer uh simon barrett told uh, adam vingard the director that he wanted to write a home invasion slasher flick since there were the, these were the only movies that sk- still scared him mm-hmm. he was inspired by agatha christie murder mysteries chamber mysteries and screwball comedies so interesting fusion you see that with the kind of black humor in the film i think too he also said that uh, mario bava's film bay of blood that's a famous one uh played a subconscious influence the italian film uh, some of the dinner conversations were improvised and based on real life experiences. So again, that's kind of funny, you know, because like you know, we, we were saying about Ty Wesley being heckled at the dinner table, but he's actually probably he's probably more famous than any of them these days, yeah. maybe except for Barbara Crampton. But I mean, um, but yeah, kind of fun to think about too. And I mean, it, it really rewards, I think, multiple viewing as well too. So the film, the movie was filmed in Columbia, Missouri, and featured all nighter shoots. So pretty uh intense schedule 7 p.m to 7 a.m so the night shift 
uh, premiered at the Toronto Film Festival before being screened at other film festivals and a wider release in theaters in 2013. It grossed $26 million for a $1 million budget, so pretty good. Uh, received very good reviews upon release and has a bit of a cult following. I'm probably one of the cultists, uh, but it wasn't theatrically released until two years after it was made. So that's, that's why weird. there's a bit of, bit of confusion. Yeah, because it was made in 2011, but came out in 2013. Um, some of the critics called it unoriginal. But I don't really understand that, too. I mean, how many home invasion movies can you think of where they the final girl is basically a survivalist, too? So I don't know yeah. what they mean by that, too. We'll get into some of the... Uh, the reviews to um so they has a hipster guy i think writing at uh, uh rogerebert.com and he wrote <laughs> he hated it <laughs> and he wrote uh your next is a simultaneously nihilistic and grossly incompetent horror homage imagine 10 millennials that's the agatha christie uh short story mm-hmm. remade by horror buffs who don't have the patience to reproduce what they love most about horror films Wingard, Barrett, and company don't do anything with the slasher conventions they play around with. Watching your next is like eating a tinfoil-wrapped lit tray of leftovers. It's a hamburger, so you shouldn't expect steak, but the contents of the tray are a half-eaten microwave nuke cheeseburger. I don't know, sounds good to me. Leaves of wilting translucent lettuce, uh, slices of yellowing sickly tomato, and floppy soggy french fries so oh, you know God. i don't some <laughs> terrible writing yeah it's bad like come on man this yeah is like come on writing 101 yeah don't give me like uh, two paragraphs you know and i like soggy I, french fries come back for the soggy pizza thanks you know? i mean i could see the nihilistic you know concerns i mean the film is pretty yeah. bleak and i mean even 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 the ending is i mean it is playful and i will say like i think the movie works because it is quite bleak and dark and yeah. you know you actually do connect with the characters you know what you can imagine yourself if you were in a family reunion and all of a sudden your own family members and friends and partners were starting to get you know killed you know unceremoniously and you know yeah. that scene where the brother gets stabs the other brother and it's played out where he's getting stabbed over and over again and yeah it's, 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 it's like the wrenches yeah and it's funny because you know the one brother he's a total wuss and he's the one who sets <laughs> all up and he's he's like why are you making me do this and you're supposed to kind of laugh but you are you know it is sad you know seeing the other brother's reaction because he's the kind of douchebag brother you're the one who mm. you feel like he's he sucks but you kind of start to like him as the movie goes on because he is resourceful and you kind yeah. of you kind of expect that maybe his projection of uh, all the shit he's giving his other siblings has to do with the way he was raised his parents you know maybe that's why he's so fucked up but it's it's pretty sad how that kind of plays itself out but um it does have a bit of a camp tone i mean just everything with aaron's character is so over the top i mean the the blender kill at the end where she the, smashes the, the, on his the log and, and the taking out the light yeah and the, <laughs> and the ending with the log uh it doesn't take itself too seriously i kind of wish it did because i honestly i think it's just a really really good straightforward slasher and the fact that it kind of doesn't fully commit to it i guess for some people that's satisfying but i kind of wish it was a little i would have loved to see an ending where she just gets killed at the end because it would have been so bleak and i ex- i was expecting that to happen too um i al- also will note there's i can't remember the animator's name but uh there's a horror a- animator on youtube who does a bunch of like horror stuff i think he did the pingu um the thing uh mashup where it's like oh yeah that's a good one the thing with all the pangu characters yeah he like did one where it's 15 it's seconds your, <laughs> it's your next mixed with the simpsons so it's like a home invasion on Ooh. the simpsons it's pretty it's pretty brutal i'm not gonna say it's like <laughs> very violent uh but you know i watched that before i watched this so i was like okay i can kind of see uh some of the elements there like, yeah uh, and like i, the I think the like yeah. there is that nihilistic element but i think like you say to the black humor actually made it good for me like it wasn't like watching like last house on the left or something where i feel like i need a shower afterwards you know i i felt like this is a fun movie i, I had a really fun time watching it and yeah. yeah like you say even the more like despicable family members i cared well except for the psychopath i didn't care about the psychopath but like you know yeah. I, I i you know i was sad when the dad died i didn't like the dad i didn't like the bully brother but i mean i cared about each of them because you all want to see them get out you know and yeah. each of them yeah. feels like loss <laughs> yeah they were there's that the the, the the main antagonists were pretty freaky, especially Z. She's like, fuck me on. Oh, yeah. yeah and all, all of it where there's blood everywhere. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, boyfriend's like, I don't know about that. Uh. Yeah, even he's kind of backing out a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but, you uh, wonder who the, the main instigator is. Because I, I feel like it was, well, it's kind of a partnership. You can see the maybe Z, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I do think the movie, like calling it nihilistic is one thing, but incompetent. I think this is just a really well-produced, well I think so, too, film. yeah. The layout of the house is really interesting. It's, it's you know, we kind of know the rooms a little bit. We know the upstairs, but we get a good sense of scale of all the serpentine rooms, the basement as well, too, where it's darkened and, you know, plays around with its light as well, too, when she goes down and smashes all the light bulbs. It kind of flips it on its end where you see the killer coming in. He's the one kind of being stalked now as sort of, you know, we get the flashing, blinking lights of the camera and um, it's just really creative in how it kind of positions itself. And mm. um, 
And it's, and it's smart too, you know, I mean, Aaron is meant to be resourceful and, you know, there's a bit of subversiveness there, but it is refreshing to see a horror film where a character reacts, whether you want to call it realistic or not, but it reacts in a way that feels authentic. It's like, you know, we're trapped in a room, you know, don't run out there, but we have to stay here. We're safer together in our numbers, even if there is threats outside, you know, we've got to agree, you know, we see that person open the door. I'm going to run out. The daughter who's like, <laughs> I'm a track star or whatever, opens the door, <laughs> runs straight uh, to the wire. Yeah. And almost, yeah, you think oh. she'd see that wire, you know? Like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't miss that if I was running out of the house. But, I mean, yeah. maybe that's the point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I just had a good time with it. Um, I could see why people are really into this one. And what do you um, what do you I, think I it's, in, it's interesting with the title the title too because we get that with some of these films too but like you're next to it's a kind of almost second person too so you feel like it's talking directly to you as a viewer so again that kind of meta meta awareness or whatever too what do you think that that's directed towards like the, well, I the think title the film has, I, I think a film had this film has a very good sense of the slashers as a genre and i think mm. like you know the your next aspect of it it's meant to you know get you as an audience member you know kind of active and participating mm. and watching you know you're you're watching it from the your next perspective you're watching it as a slew of you know characters being killed off in this family it kind of plays itself as a traditional slasher and then it kind of subverts itself a little bit and she's now the one who's trying to kind of you know get out but also you take down the intruder so it's sort of like you're next referring then to the kind of killers themselves a little bit and they're the ones now um in that position and you know i i think again i, I find a lot of these horror films these, these in the usually the indie horror films less of the studio ones that tend to be very you know we're going to really play around the conventions of horror and you know make you as an audience feel like you're part of it for me sometimes this doesn't work but for whatever reason this one did and again i think it's just because at its heart if you took if you stripped away all the just sort of meta elements of it played it as more of a straightforward slasher it still would have been very good very effective great set design i, I actually was saw a video where they talked about the um the house mm. they shot it in it was this old as you mentioned it was in i think missouri they found this kind of dilapidated house and they the whole crew and cast too it was even involved as well they were like repainting everything and redesigning everything you could really tell that this was a labor of love and you know this this was made on a you know fairly shoestring budget with a you know a bunch of kind of relative no names except barbara crampton who at the time her career had screen queen kind of, yeah you know well yeah her career at this point had kind of been you know long gone but this film actually helped to kind of revitalize her so she's been a lot of more yeah i think she's been starring in films lately too yeah. and she's like she's 60 60 you know late mid 60s which is pretty good you know because there's always that kind of ageism in you know cinema with women which is very sexist yeah. <laughs> um, I, would, I would love to see the i think uh, it was a shiny vincent the uh the mm. main character i would love to see her in more stuff i thought she was yeah because really I, I don't think i've seen her in anything else i think she was in absentia or something like that but i don't remember her mm. in that too and it's a shame because i think she's a really great talent she's a good actress too yeah. um speaking of her um so bloody disgusting.com did this really great interview uh with the director and a lot of the cast too on the 10th anniversary yeah that's the, the one i read i think you sent that one yeah it was great and he said great. uh in many ways i feel it, the movie was ahead of its time i think a lot of people are very conscious about the role that feminism plays in terms of the way yeah. that modern horrors approached and digested we weren't part of an any kind of movement there was no sort of agenda going on with the film we just looked at what we saw in the horror world and we saw that the films just weren't appreciating the characters in the way that we thought they should have we saw that there weren't a lot of frequently strong female characters and i'm proud that we did that without being part of some of a group thought ours came from a very pure place so that's really interesting too and yeah. I, I like that aspect of the film i do think it is kind of a feminist film too oh, what, did you, yeah. what did you think and it kind of critiques the sexism of the final growth trope which can kind of be a yeah problem. what do you do think of that well, I mean, very much explicitly, like it's super text in the film. We have the character who's, you know, she's a resourceful character. We find out she was raised almost like a like a Branch Davidian. You know, she's got some kind of weird survivalist habits. She's very strong minded. Even before that, the, the part of that plays itself more like a mumblecore film. You know, she's this young woman who her boyfriend is kind of, you know, speaking over her he's actually a bit mm. of a dick they're lying in yeah bed. he's just being very passive aggressive and you know we really like, connect with her you know she's she feels insecure because she's poor she grew up poor and there's that great moment yeah. where she talks about him and his parents and he's very dismissive of his upbringing mm. his parents and she says like you don't know how lucky it is to grow up rich with good parents and we you know that we that's a really great moment of character yeah, building that shows the, just the privilege the privilege and, too um, but it really kind of, you know, we see her as a strong character and not even honestly her. We see all the other women in this have their own range of strength, too. Like, I think we see the sister who runs out and kind of actually escapes. You know, she gets, of course, killed, but she runs out and um, we get um, the other characters as well, too. They're they're a little bit more resourceful than you'd think. But, um, you know, it plays the men as actually being kind of useless or kind of 
you know, they're the ones victimized. And they're the ones like like uh, Aaron's husband who runs out. He misses half the movie. And then, you know, we find out, you know, the spoiler is that he's actually involved in it, too. He comes back and, you know, at that moment, we know, you know, he's missed the whole story. We know we've seen everything she's done. He comes back. He's like, oh, babe, like, what happened? What did you do? And it, it really, like, exposes, like, the sleaziness of him and everything. And at that point, you're like, just kill him. Like, yeah, get, and get then it, it's a great moment when she actually does. You're like, yes, because you're a little bit worried that, like, oh, my God, she's going to, like, you know, believe him, you know, get gaslit by him again and, you know, shoot in the back of the head. Yeah. And, you know, this film isn't, you know, this isn't a exploitation film. It's not uh, the craft legacy. You know, uh, by that, I think it's more usually the script feels like it was written by Twitter. This one just comes across and it's just characterization. It, it mm. feels very, um, you know, I would call it feminist because it is, you know, portraying it in a, you know, a, a way that is making kind of the star lead, uh, you know, as a strong woman, but also, you know, exposing these men as being, you know, you know, cretins and, you know, incompetent and, and you know, pathetic. Really. Buffoons, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and kind of trying to impose that on her, like when her boyfriend yeah. is back and he's trying to kind of, you know, gaslight her. And there's a little bit of bri- a little blackmail too, where he's like, well, if I die, you know, you don't get the money. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. Is she going to take well, the money over there- the over what happened i thought there was going to be that angle as the ending and then nope and it was really nice to kind of see that twist it really there's that kind of toxic masculinity too you know with drake and also with the father too you know that i I kind of saw a little bit too one other thing i did notice too and i think uh they commented on this on the interview too and um the writer said i wanted the killers to have real world motivations i thought if we kept bringing up specific amounts of money would really call attention to that we also focused on the notion that the father made his money through working for a defense contractor and the, the guys his children ultimately hired to come after him are veterans of one of our recent skirmishes presumably in the middle east during that period too so that draws kind of a lot of attention to social class inequality too i mean the family's targeted because they have money the father seems to hoard a lot of this money children can't pay back the loans yeah. uh, the children don't seem to love the family either like the no very disillusioned involved in killing everyone it's like they're they're supposed to be this fake loving family yeah the all-american family yeah they don't they don't recognize their privilege too and you know they're they they, the home invasion is an opportunity but also maybe one out of desperation too i mean crispin's willing to sacrifice his relationship family and basically everything to get his inheritance money too and you know we don't know about the psychopaths i think they're just psychopaths but i mean like yeah uh, we we do see that you know the psychopath brother was kind of bullied and everything too and his father's kind of an asshole so i mean like kind kind of i think a kind of a racial angle too with like Tariq as well and yeah the film doesn't really get into that much because and he's the first one killed so you wonder about that too but it's sort of like you know he's the only like character who's like sort of like not like a i guess he's not meant to be like a traditional lily white anglo-saxon kind of Mm. character in the film he's um, a little bit more uh, he has a little bit more ethnicity to him um but you know it's i wonder what it says about you know he's the first one he gets killed in the family like uh it, it's interesting like because you kind of see the reaction interactions with him and he's sort of like an outsider in this group um it, it's just really cool that there's a little bit of extra layers to this film that you know aren't as explicit that you still catch on probably more on rewatch as well uh to catching on to this and you know I, I really just enjoyed the film I, I had a really great experience then i would love to come back to it as you said and pay more close attention to kind of the small interactions of the family and you know some of the opening sequences again like the the wife going on screaming and that's just kind of played off as you know kooky old lady be, you know <laughs> this lady's behavior but i would love to kind of think about that more in context of the husband and the family mm. live in is is he kind of are they fucked up more because of him and what he's like there's got to be something more to it there so be interesting to check that out that's interesting too with Tariq too because like his death is kind of the catalyst for all the chaos to start right so I mean you know just really interesting to see how far he's come like I I, I really like his work a lot Um, so yeah that's that's uh, your next I I don't know if you had any other points to uh, to discuss no I think I think we've pretty much gone through it I Mm -hmm. I did uh, the ending was pretty fun with the with the cop getting killed yeah shots and like oh no she dead and like no she's still alive thank god I love the film and it didn't take away from it for me but I do kind of wish I almost wish it was just it wasn't even trying to be that funny I wish it just kind of played itself more serious because I think it's really effective and really terrifying but um it didn't bother me too much it's a little bit of you know crowd pleaser with the acts at the end you know I can imagine watching this at TIFF and the crowd would have been you know clapping and having a good time so um it does have a good sense of itself it's like you you know you're watching a you know an indie horror that's going to play around with conventions and you know make you feel like you had a good time at the end so I can appreciate the showmanship of of that at least yeah absolutely too and I, I think uh for me, it's it's a you know it's a classic film. It's nice to have like these modern classics too, because I mean, obviously, I love all the old classics, but it's nice to have a couple like twenty tens ones that I really enjoy too. So uh, yeah, just moving on to the ratings. Obviously, it's a amazing film for me. I love the final girl. I love the the plot. I love how it flips all the tropes on their head. I love a lot of the social commentary too. 
Um, just loved everything about it too. You don't know where it's going to take you with the plot. And yeah, five out of five for me. What did you give it? Uh, four out of, I gave it four and a half out of five. I mean, 0.5s to me are kind of just you know interchangeable. Um, maybe if I revisit this, I'll, I'll give it a perfect score. I did love it. I thought it was great. There were a couple of moments where kind of I wasn't as into, but overall, I mean, the film is just really well done. Really actually, um, you know, above my expectations, I kind of went into this a little bit guarded and, you know, I was really struck by, you know, the opening with where it takes itself more seriously as like a bit of a family uh, drama with like a generational element and I like that and then even when it starts playing itself forward as a horror and when it's being kind of winking and nodding and being a little bit playful it is not losing its edge it's still really thrilling really engaging um, you're on your edge of your seat in like almost all the scenes of the film and when the plot twists happen they are a little bit surprising and you actually do feel for the characters I mean it's I didn't expect to like when the movie started I thought it was going to be seeing the characters get kind of knocked off one by one so quickly I thought it was going to just kill everyone and then half her but then it doesn't do that it's it's actually still really works and um I, I really got kind of engaged in kind of the greater story of the family i think it does a good job at um you know making you connect with your these characters in a bit more detail and and again the, that the elements under the surface of, of other stuff that's going on I, it would be really great to rewatch this and, and try to check that out again but yeah. I, I really dug it i could see why this has become such a, a bit of a modern classic um it's it seems like this was really the film that kind of really set the mark for how to do really good kind of meta horror in this decade. And I think there are other movies that have come. I think I'd mentioned like the final girls and um, ones like that, that I do think are, are a bit better than the rest of them. They actually, there's something to it that they do that I actually really dig, but um, I could see kind of they're they're kind of the, the influence of that coming from this one. And it kind of really set the mark to, to make a really good meta horror film and a mm -hmm. film that, you know, has aged very well in terms, as you said, like as a being a bit, kind of like a, you know, a bit of a, a feminist horror film, again, without being, you know, overtly preaching in its script or trying too hard, I would say like it's, it's doing it in a very kind of genuine way. So I, I, I love it a lot. I love to uh, uh, Adam Wingard's the, uh, the guest too. That'd be another one fun one to cover sometimes too. Cause that's kind of a weird um, unusual one too. And kind of like an eighties yeah. influence, but kind of comes into its own too. Cool. So. Yeah. I want to check that one out. So overall, 4.75, pretty good, pretty high, pretty high mix for this one. Yeah, so that, that's your next. And uh, yeah, we got another Curtis favorite coming up, but um, sadly going to be away next week, but we're going to uh, look at the original OG Slumber Party Massacre, which is one of my favorites. Started off as a kind of a feminist uh, parody of the slasher, but it kind of became a really weird anomaly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Quinn and John will have fun with that one next week. It's, and we've got more spooky ones. It's actually on the Criterion channel right now because they're oh, doing is it? Okay. horror collection. So they have, that's what I watched on this. I watched the Slumber Party Massacre on Criterion. So, you know, that's the that's the true cinephile way of experiencing a classic horror masterpiece. So I think they have um, it on, yeah, they have on Shutter too. I think they have all the Slumber Party. I think all there. the sequels are. And yeah. actually, if you're in Canada, the CTV app, has them for free and i think they also have all the all the slumber party massacre sequels on there for free i think including the more recent one that just came out hmm. the uh i guess the, the remake or quasi remake so yeah i haven't seen any of the sequels though i'd be really interested the, the sequel is the first sequel is kind of weird because they got like this guy with like this guitar drill uh and nice. they don't even show him for the first like 45 minutes so it's a bit silly um i haven't seen cool. the third one the remake isn't is interesting but i mean it kind of loses steam in the second half but yeah. i mean it i think the, the original one is the best one but cool, this is cool. me <laughs> yeah so we'll have that coming up next week and uh, more spooky stuff to come uh, i think we mentioned before quinn's got a few movies that he picked so he's gonna we're gonna be doing uh elvira, oh, elvira yeah. the dark <laughs> and also fright night which is a classic and then uh following that up with some halloween films to you know close out november you know once october 31st ends for some of you it's the end of spooky season not here at the c strip movie podcast we talk spooky all things creepy horror pretty much the year through every so week we'll, is halloween yeah <laughs> every week is halloween it's halloween somewhere you know, <laughs> Jimmy Buffett, i think uh, yeah <laughs> but uh yeah anything you want to plug or mention uh curtis as well um, um no i got a i got a i signed a book contract for my first book That's so right. it's yeah. not really related to the podcast but pretty exciting news so <laughs> so that'll get announced i guess you'll have it published it'll be available yeah. online presumably it's like a, yeah a, i'll share the pdf yeah probably give me try and give you a discount if oh I can. sell it you know put it online you know put it on the program <laughs> yeah. you know get that get you know, mind mind this audience for what it's worth, again, yeah. Curtis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, cool stuff. I I do want to mention. I I did post. Uh, I think a few weeks ago. Um, I'm finishing up. I, I know I'm belated on this. God, it's already October. Um, finishing up my favorite films of 2021. I am going to try to get the last entry, my finalist, posted um, probably before next weekend, so that I can get a head start. Uh, talking my favorite films of 2022. A lot of them I've mentioned on the podcast, or they might have been films that. Uh, 
we actually spotlighted a lot of the Carpenter ones I've never seen are on there. Um, but really excited to kind of write down my thoughts. And it's fun to go back through, you know, all the stuff you've watched through the year. And there's a lot of crap that you're like, I don't even remember watching this. I probably fell asleep <laughs> halfway through. And there's, there's ones where you're like, oh, yeah, that movie was really cool. And it really left a mark on me. And um, so it's fun to kind of go back and look through that. So I'll, I'll I like how that. you uh, you also look at the TV series because that's something I don't do. And I think I might try start doing that, too, because there's a lot of great TV series that kind of get swept over the rug in my year end reviews. And I like yeah, it depends on the <laughs> show, right? Because there's yeah. some shows that are basically just sitcoms that are kind of procedural. There's nothing mm. really. But but, you know, a show like Midnight Mass is, is, is a short series, kind of like a bit of a movie. And um, I know you mentioned, uh, I think, Mike Flanagan has a new series coming up. The Midnight Yeah, Club, Midnight so. Club just came out. It's based oh, on. Did it just come in? Come yeah, out? it just came out. out. So uh, it's 10 episodes. It's um, based on Christopher Pike's uh, young adult novel, novels, oh, okay, cool. kind of like Arl Stein's Fear Street. Um, nice. It's about like a group of uh, kids, and they're like terminally ill, and they live in this really weird uh, clinic, and they tell they tell each other stories, horror stories to each other. Yeah, and I would say for our audience listening, if you know it's spooky month, you're probably watching a lot of horror. If there's a horror movie that we haven't talked about that you love. Um, or if you have one of your favorites, feel free to share it and let us know. You know, I think it's seatstreppodcast at gmail.com. You can email us. We would love to uh, hear from our audience about what their movies are. And maybe you could ask what we think about them. We'd love to love to share some thoughts on them. Yeah, you, and, you know, yeah, they can come some. on the show. <laughs> yeah, if you want to come on the show and, you know, you know, beat the drum about why this is great. Um, we will give you the soapbox to do so. And we love uh, giving people soapboxes. So definitely. Um, anything else to mention? I think we're pretty good. No, to that's all. That's up. all there. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week with Slumber Party Massacre and stay face. Watch out for weird guys with drills. Have the pizza instead, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, stay safe and have a great uh, spooky season. Take care, folks. Take care, folks.